0: Amen. Thank you, Brother Tyler. Good morning, and hey, we're glad you're here today. And um, obviously, we're having church today. Um, it, we're not uh, we're not ignorant of the uh, situation that exists in in our country this morning. Uh, we're not uh, we're not being frivolous about it, uh, but but neither are we. Uh, just going to cave to fear, and uh, we're going to take a few precautions today. We, you see, we didn't have our greeters at the door. Uh, we're not going to pass the offering plates this morning. Our ushers will be at the back of the auditorium, and you can drop your offering uh, in the plate uh, there. And uh, we're going we're to do uh, what we can and, and uh, be, try to be sensible about it. Uh, but still um, do what we believe the Lord wants us to do on the Lord's Day. And that is meet together and, and worship together. And so we're glad you're here today. No doubt others will be, will be coming in along the way. We had a tremendous Amen conference this weekend. Um, we just, uh, the Lord met with us. It, we, we just had a great time together uh, in the house of the Lord. And I was going to do this tonight, um, but I'm going to do it this morning. Uh, because he's not going to be here tonight, uh, and I don't want to embarrass him, but I probably will. But uh, I I figure it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission. Um, but uh, I want to I want to publicly thank Brother Brett, uh, Nose Cable, uh, for overseeing all of the the food preparation. Brother Brett, thank you for doing that. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. I mean, he's, he's, preparing, he's preparing meat um, for uh, what we were thought would be 600 men. It was about 500 men, and he had a lot of folks helping him. He, he'll be the first to acknowledge that, um, but we're thankful for his, his uh, willingness to do that and to do it well. Brother Marlon Meisenheimer, he's not here right now, but Brother Marlon uh, used some of his equipment as well, and uh, guys, you knocked it out of the park. And I'm so thankful for all of the men who have, Brother Rob, he he, uh, did uh, much of the ordering uh, to make sure we had everything, and and I could go on and on and on, but guys, if you had any part doing anything, thank you for doing that. Um, It's an all-hands-on-deck event, uh, the Amen Conference, and we're so, so thankful uh, for your willingness to uh, jump in there and get involved and help. Well, we are, we've been looking forward to this day, literally, since 2016. Uh, We scheduled uh, Brother Jason Gaddis to be with us uh, in 2016 was the first opportunity he was gonna have. He pastors a tremendous, tremendous church in Oklahoma City, Southwest Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Luke and and his bride and their uh, baby are members there. And uh, brother uh, Gaddis gives me good reports, and uh, that's good. So thank you for representing well. And good to have brother John and Cindy back this weekend as well. And uh, we're uh, we are excited about brother Gaddis being here. As I said, pastor of Southwest Baptist Church, he's also the president of Heartland Baptist Bible College. We were counting this morning. Uh, we have ten graduates of Heartland that are currently serving in the ministry here. We probably got another maybe half dozen that are out and about, um, still serving the Lord. And uh, so it's been a it's been a blessing. Heartland has been a blessing to Fellowship Baptist Church, and uh, we are just thankful that Brother Gaddis is able to be with us today. So, Church, let's uh, let's do this. Let's welcome Brother Gaddis to Fellowship Baptist Church this morning. All right.
1: All right, well, thank you, Brother Prater, and uh, he mentioned that, that Heartland uh, has been a blessing uh, there to you all, but I say that, uh, that Fellowship Baptist Church has been a blessing to Southwest and Heartland, so it's a good relationship. I'm sure grateful to God for that, and uh, I forget how many have come from here to there, and uh, they've been a blessing. Well, most of them have been a blessing, so anyway, no, every one of them been a blessing, and uh, so thankful for that, and, and like pastor said, I uh, really feel like God met with us uh, as men here this weekend, and and um, well, we, we need that most definitely, and it was refreshing, there was good fellowship, we still shook hands, it's great, I'm thankful for that. I'm going to shake hands today if you prefer, just elbow or knuckles or whatever, I'm good by that too, but... I'm gonna be in that handshake mode. It's part of our DNA as Baptists, I think. You know, I mean, it's just who we are as people. But, anyways, um, I I really thank you all. Uh, Like like Brother Prater said, uh, you host an event like that where you have so many people here. It it really does take a lot of work behind the scenes. So, thank you um, on behalf of all the men because we were we were blessed by that. You know, it's a real blessing. We'll take your Bibles this morning and. Go to the book of Daniel, if you would please, here for this uh, Sunday school hour, privileged and blessed to get to have the opportunity uh, to just uh, teach the Sunday school and have the classes here and and want to get your participation here in a little bit, involvement, and uh, trust to be a help to you here this morning as we get started. I'm excited about the whole day, uh, Southwest Baptist Church is praying for our day here together. i always let them know where I'm going to be. And... Um, well, number one, I think they ought to know their pastor's in church. That's probably good. But also, and most importantly, um, I just, I really believe that God moves in response to prayer. And I can't explain all that, but I just, I know that he does. And, and what we experienced even this weekend, I mentioned to him, you know, please pray. There's going to be a lot of men there. And uh, please pray. God would bless the services. So anyways, churches are pl- praying for this, this meeting. It's a real blessing. Okay, so we're in Daniel chapter 1, I know this is probably a pretty familiar uh, passage of scripture in Daniel chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to call the lesson today, um, the people of God in need of revival. The people of God in need of revival. Do you believe across America, and in America churches like, like Fellowship Baptist, Southwest Baptist, etc., that we really do need revival? And I believe that God wants to send revival if we would want revival. So we need to desire that. So Daniel is looking back on what God did in his life and sharing that with the people that were moving back into Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, there was even some hesitation. They, uh, some of the people of God had gotten pretty comfortable living in Babylon. There's a danger that God's people would get comfortable with the world. Right? Right? And so that's what was going on. So he's writing them to challenge them, and to encourage them that God wants to help you in rebuilding the walls and rebuilding the temple, and getting back into the land and into Jerusalem. And so that's that's the historical setting. And uh, and so Daniel's looking back and what God did in his young years, and also what God did in his elderly years, because the same God that works in your years as a teenager, is also the same God that works in your years when you're 80 years old. And so, thank God for that. And seasons change, but God doesn't change. And so, uh, anyways, that's a little bit of the background. So, let's look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says here that in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, pay attention to all that that is said right here, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Okay, so that would be modern day Iraq, that area. Later on, you're going to, you know, read about uh, the idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up, probably resembling himself to some extent, you know, and out there in the plains of Dura, you know, and it's prominent, so obviously a land filled with idolatry, most definitely, and the idol there, just kind of give you an idea of just how idolatrous this land was. 90 feet tall, I believe it was, and it was out in the plain, kind of like uh, parts of Oklahoma, parts of, of western Kansas, and parts of uh, Texas, you know, uh, where you have, you know, the land is just flat, you can see forever, feels like, you know, and your dog runs away and you can see him run away for three days. There he goes, you know. So it's kind of that way, and so there was this prominent, this idol that was there. Okay, so that's going on. It says in verse 3 that the king spake unto Aspenaz, as master of his eunuchs, that he would bring certain, notice this now, certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed, And of the princes. So these were young men who had great potential. Great potential. All right? Children, it says, in whom is no blemish, but were well favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach and to Azariah of Abednego, and we probably know him better by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whereas one kid said, "To bed we go," but that's not what it was, right? <laughs> All right. So verse uh, eight is is where we are. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs, and so the story goes on there, and uh, maybe drop down to verse number 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. And, and verse 19 says there's none found like Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah um, that stood before the king. In fact, if you look at verse 20, it says, in all matters of wisdom and in learning that the king inquired of them, he found them what? Ten times better. Ten times better. All right, what a what an account. So obviously the people of God here were in need of revival. Someone has said this that the kingdom of God is not going to advance by our churches becoming filled with men, but with men or people in our churches being filled with God. Isn't that good? It's not with our churches being filled with people, though we want people in church. Church is about gathering. But rather, people in church being filled with God. Now, that's what will bring revival. That will bring revival. Another man said that uh, a true revival means nothing less than a revolution, casting out the spirit of worldliness, making God's love triumph in the heart. Andrew Murray said that. Uh, somebody asked Billy Sunday, why do you keep having revivals? When they don't last, and he asked, "Why do you keep taking a bath?" <laughs> so it's obvious that we continually need a revival, a coming back again. It means life again, okay? So you can have a revival without having an actual revival meeting. You't have to wait for revival to have revival. Uh, Dave McCracken, I don't always quote him. you' all know Dave McCracken, uh, got to be careful. <laughs> Quoting him, but uh, we're actually his sending church, so I've got to take some measure of responsibility here. But um, he said, This revival means this Jesus again. Jesus again. Isn't it ironic that sometimes we can make Christianity about everything except Christ? We really just need to get back in love with the Lord Jesus Christ again. That's what we need. So the people here. They desperately needed revival. They, they needed to get their hearts back uh, in, in being right with the Lord. And so what I'd like to do is just look at three reasons why they needed revival. Just three, three reasons. No doubt there, we could say there's probably more, but I think these three really do come out of the text and illustrate why they needed revival then and why we need revival now. Number one, we're in danger of drifting we're in danger of drifting you know they didn't get in Babylon all in one big step it was over years where they had failed to listen to God where they lost focus on God where they were wanting to fit in with everybody else around them does this at all sound familiar because it's easy for us to lose our focus on God it's easy for us to want to fit in with the people that are around us and and over time you can begin to drift you know um, Especially for those of us that grew up in church, there's a real danger there that we can kind of just get used to it. You know, now, I, I believe just being here this weekend, and I've, I've been here before, but it's been some years ago, but, but just the life and the energy that's in this church, hey, listen, you are in an exciting place. So it's, it's not like, you know, Fellowship Baptist Church is dead and needs to be resuscitated. But, but if we're not careful, you can kind of just get used to church. And we're in danger of drifting. We're in danger of drifting. Um, there's a lot of areas in which, you know, you could drift. I mean, your Bible, Bible reading, have, have every one of us experienced this, where there's times when you were faithfully reading your Bibles, and then you came to the book of Leviticus? And maybe the Bible reading kind of tailed off a little bit? I mean, and, or you got busy, or, or whatever. I mean, it's easy to let your Bible reading drift. It's easy to let your prayer life, right, drift. In fact, somebody said, if you want to humble a Christian, just ask them about their prayer life. You know, because we can be real faithful about Bible reading, but prayer is hard work. So we can let prayer drift, giving. We can let giving drift. You know, uh, uh, it, it, it can just kind of fall by the wayside. You know, giving, church attendance, we can let that drift. So, I mean, we're all in danger of drifting because even as people, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, been born again, you still have the old flesh to contend with. And probably this morning on a cold morning, when it's a little bit of rainy outside, that bed felt pretty good, didn't it? And so to get up out of that bed was probably a challenge. You probably pushed snooze a few times, didn't you? So we're, we're in danger of, uh, of drifting. And you don't realize just how strong the current is until you start to go against it. Several years ago, we were on a little family vacation uh, down in southeast um, Missouri. And there's a pretty fast-flowing river down there. And so we were staying at this particular uh, cabin. And, and, um, and so you could, you could pay to have them take you upstream and then float. I love, I love canoeing. I love being out in... Out in the woods and such as that. So I grew up in Kentucky, and we were floating creeks or cricks, depending on where you're from. And and uh, so, anyways, um, I love doing that. So you could pay one amount, they'd take you upstream, and you'd float down. Okay, it's about a five or six mile float, something like that. Or you could pay a lot lesser amount and just kind of float around the cabin area and do what you wanted to do there. So being a cheap individual, that's what we did. So Tyler, my my oldest son. Uh, was at the time probably about maybe four or five years old. I'm, I think he was more like five years old. So he's up front, and we're canoeing. And of course, you know, you're going to get the most power in the back. So I'm in the back, canoeing, uh, you know, uh, rowing. He's up in the front, not helping very much, but hitting the water, right? And so what we did is we tried to go upstream, So you get as far away from the current as you can, and you go as far as you can, but then at some point, you know, the river bends, and so you have to cross to the other side to catch the other side, so that then you can keep going up. And it took us, you know, about, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour to go as far as we could go upstream, or as far as our arms would allow us to go. What took us 45 minutes to an hour to get upstream took us literally, I'm not kidding, like 10 minutes to get back down. I did not realize how strong that current was until I started going against it. You don't realize how strong your flesh is until you start trying to go against the flesh. We're in danger of drifting. We're in danger of drifting. They were in danger of drifting then, we're in danger of drifting now. Number two, let, let me go to, move to this one. <clears throat> we're being targeted. Okay, Um, we need revival because not only are we in danger of drifting, I mean, in fact, all that has to happen for you to make a big mess of your life is just for God to let you have your own way. You know, somebody, uh, in fact, actually it was Bill Davidson who said, you know, as messed up as that person's life is, you'd think that they had a plan to get there. (laughs) But you don't have to have a plan to really mess your life up. All you have to do is just let your, your flesh have its own way. One Missouri preacher said uh, if you jump on a grease pole you're going all the way down. <laughs> That's some good preaching right there, right? You jump on a grease pole friend. you just try to hold on, you're going all the way down. So uh, we're, we're in danger of drifting. But not only that, but, but also this we're being targeted. They were being targeted at this time. Nebuchadnezzar understood that a military revolution was not sufficient to change them. So he started a cultural revolution all right a process of indoctrination. Somebody has said that an enemy is someone who tries to change your allegiance okay so they were besieged they besieged Jerusalem they besieged uh, the, the Israel there and then they hauled them off to Babylon and then they began the process of of changing the way that they thought about themselves so that they would no longer think about themselves as the people of God from Israel, but rather that they would think about themselves as Babylonians. So I want to ask you, kind of get your involvement here at at this point. Name one of the things that they did, that Nebuchadnezzar did, that was part of that process of indoctrinating them or changing the way they thought about themselves what's one thing somebody may just raise your hand and let me uh call you yes ma'am okay very good all right so they fed them meat and the way you mentioned that is spot on that had been offered unto idols so if they eat meat that's offered unto idols it's going to violate their conscience but then eventually they're going to kind of use get used to it and if they get used to eating meat offered to idols they might get used to idols now, God had given them a, them a rather strict dietary law. Right. Right. And that's where we're glad that we're Gentiles. Yeah. Right? Because God said you're not to eat well of all things. Bacon. Well, somebody read my mind. Bacon! You know what's real good with bacon? Bacon! Had two strips of bacon this morning, you know, from the hotel. That was awesome. And, Man, bacon's good with bacon. And and so, you know, by the way, it wasn't that bacon was a problem because eventually God said to Peter, you know, Peter, rise and eat. And and some of the things that he could eat at that point was bacon and sausage and and, and all that came in ribs and pork ribs. (laughs) Mercy sakes alive, I'm getting excited already this morning. Right? Yeah, that was good stuff because, I mean, you know, and God was saying, listen, it's not the problem with the meat. Now, there's certain things on that dietary law that I, I understand why God said don't eat that. But there's other things that he did. He said that just because he didn't want them sitting down having table fellowship with somebody that was an idolater, so he separated them from the other people of the land. You got it? Does that make sense? Yeah. So the ban has been lifted, so eat all the bacon you want to, even if you're Jewish. Hallelujah. All right, that's one thing. You're exactly right. Watch this. Um, he was trying to give them an appetite for the forbidden. Okay, the, the meat and the drink, of course... Went right along with that. We hit that Friday night with the men that God is still against alcohol. Amen. But here they were trying to get them to loosen up on, on their standards there with that and and be okay with it. But but to to indulge in that would give them a whole new appetite for things that were beyond what God wanted them to have as the people of God. Okay. So that was the danger there. All right, listen, I saw another hand as well. Something else, yes. Their language, okay, so he taught them the tongue of the Chaldeans, all right, changing their languages. Keep, keep moving here as well. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Change their names, good. So Daniel means God is my judge, Hananiah means God is gracious, Mishael means who is like God, Azariah means God is our strength, but they changed their names to fit the names of the, the gods of Babylon, so Belteshazzar and, and, and so forth, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all right, so they changed their names. All right, what else did they do? What else? Something else come to mind. Yes, sir. Put them in a new place. That's exactly right. Okay, they put them in a new place. hmm Yep. A lot, of, uh, a lot of young people grow up here. You may go off somewhere else. Uh, you may go to a college campus somewhere. I want to challenge you. You still live for God wherever he leads you. Okay. But you're going to be tempted when you go somewhere else some may go to the military, some may go to trade school, some may go to work a job somewhere. And it, it, even if you're working you know, at Chick-fil-A, there's still some bad influences there, right? Yep. Chick-fil-A is the Baptist bird, I get that. But nonetheless, uh, there's still <laughs> people of the world are there, and you've got to watch out for the influences, okay? okay let, me, let me elaborate on that, because you're, you're right on there. Another thing they did is, I noticed this, they separated the young people from the older people they separated out the young people now the older generation had let things slide but here's here's the thing they knew what was right and they knew what was wrong even if they were doing what was wrong now I, I am all for youth groups we have a strong youth group and and I'm for children's classes we have multiple and I mean just like this church I enjoyed by the way yesterday I got to take the tour and saw just how beautiful and how well laid out your, your children's department is and, and all those things and, and, the, and then also the fastest growing class here in the church, the nursery. I mean, so it's, it's wonderful. It's awesome. I love it. Um, but here's, here's also something I think we need to think about. The young people of this church need to be around the older people of the church. And i tell you what I feel like it's a good sign right here is I see some that are older and I see some that are younger, and I'm going to let you figure out which category you're in. All right, But that's a good thing. I, I, see, I see gray hair or silver hair, and I see no hair, <laughs> and, and I see young hair, and I, I see young people. This is good because I'm telling you, young people, the way that you'll learn to be an older person that's trying to serve God is get around somebody that's been serving God a long time learned to pray by uh, Saturday night prayer meetings at Grace Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where I grew up, kneeling beside a man named Bob Carson that was in World War II that's still living. He's 99 years old. <laughs> he's so awesome. He still drives, still lives at home by himself, and he's my pastor's dad, and, and uh, man just has a love for God as a soul winner and taught um, Sunday school. For so many years, as long as it's mine, you know, and it was still good. It still got a sharp mind, but in his mind, it just wasn't as sharp as it used to be. And so he's phased out of that. But, but I still go home. He'll ask me, what are you preaching? I know he prayed for me this morning. Amen. So Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing to say, you know what? I want the young people to be separated from the older people. Okay. So I want to challenge the young people of this church Don't just hang out with yourself, yourselves, yeah, don't just hang out with yourself, okay. That'll help you too, all right, but I'm my own best friend, no, all right, look, get around some of the older people here in the church, ask them some questions, what was it like when you were a young person, do you remember that? (laughs) <laughs> no, no wait rephrase that question all right <laughs> you get what I'm saying but get around some of the folks that have been here for a long time I spoke with Miss Rita is it Rita yeah I spoke with Miss Rita here this morning got set she was say when she was 12 years old and I'm not telling her age now but but she's been serving God faithfully in this church and was at Southwest Baptist Church she shared with me hey I, I'm telling you a young lady could learn something from somebody like that just making sense but they, I, I, there's two areas, basically, we're talking about how they targeted them. There's two areas that were targeted. They targeted their faith and they targeted their youth. They targeted their faith and they targeted their youth. And you look around, look, I believe, and I'm not trying to be weird here, but, but if you look at what's going on in our country today, there is a definite agenda. There is an indoctrination process that is taking place in the elementary schools all the way through the, the upper grades and into the colleges, there's an indoctrination process that has been taking place over the years. And In some ways, we've kind of just now woke up to it and thinking, what in the world's going on in our country? Because I guarantee you, if you were born prior to World War II or, or if you were born prior to, to, to Vietnam, et cetera, I mean, I'm just trying to put some kind of a time frame on this, you've got it pretty well figured out that God made two genders, and only two, and he chose which one you were, yeah. only two, male and female. So, the agenda today is not really focused on you because your mind's already made up, though if you'll buy into it, they'll be glad about that, but I'll tell you who they're targeting. And thus, you know, Facebook or other social media outlets will allow you to choose from multiple genders, designations. At least at one time, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant on many of these things, but, but at some point there was like 67 or 70 different genders that you could choose from or just write your own in. How in the world did we get there? We're in danger of drifting and we're being targeted and they want us to think that, you know, gender is fluid and that you don't determine your gender until you're like four years old. What kid at four years old is able to make some major life decisions? I mean, and really, I mean, a lot of this is just scientific. Just scientific. I mean, what if little little Johnny says, well, i tell you what I want to be. I want to be a chicken. I want to be a rooster. And so now his mom's going to bring corn out for him to peck every morning. I'm being silly, but you know, and he's strutting around there. Yeah. Are we doing all right? You're all right? I mean, who's to say what? You know, but but there's an agenda, and, and we'd be foolish to think there's not an agenda. That's right, that's right. They tried to say that uh, boys and girls, you know, are uh, are just the same, and, and so they tried to prove that in, uh, in one of the universities, and so they took these little two- and three-year-old boys and girls, and they were going to let the Boys play with dolls. Hey, listen, by the way, boys don't play with dolls. Boys play with action heroes. But they gave them dolls to play with, and so they observed what happened after that. What happened was these dolls started flying across the room, and heads were popping off because boys, that's how boys play. I've got three of them, I know. That's it. There's a difference in the genders. But our country is so confused that we're confused about what bathroom to go to. Well, I've been in the ladies' room, but as soon as I found out where I was, I got me out. How did we get where we are? I'm just using that. That's the, I realize, and, and some may say, well, that's a cheap shot. I, and I'm not trying to take a cheap shot. I'm just trying to say, look, this is where we are as a country. And this is why we need revival. It's, it's so evident that we need revival in our land because we're in danger of drifting and we definitely are being targeted. And, and, and if you don't think so, then really you're not, you're not paying attention to what's going on around us because children are being indoctrinated and all the way through their, their ages and, and then the faith is under attack. I mean, really, you look around and faith is under attack. So we need revival. Number one, because we're in danger of drifting. Number two, because we're being targeted. And number three, because living for God is ten times better. It's ten times better. Daniel said, I, I've purpose in my heart. I, I've set my heart um, that I would not defile myself with a portion of the king's meat. So he said, listen, just, just give us basically vegetables to eat and water to drink. And so just try us for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they were stronger than any of the others. And, and Hey, looking, uh, look listen, uh, look here. You put listen and look together. That's what you get, okay? Um, these were probably about 15 to 17-year-old young men. What 15 or 17-year-old boy do you, do you know that wouldn't put away a bunch of meat? And this was the king's meat, so this was good stuff. So no doubt they could have, have done that, but, but they said, look, just give us this to eat. Because they didn't want to break God's laws. And so then at the end of three years, as they came and they appeared, before Nebuchadnezzar, here's what he said. I find these right here, these four, to be ten times better. That's his words. it's, It's a saying. We would say, in our vernacular, we might say, man, they're a hundred times better. You know, we could definitely say this. Life God's way, a hundred times better. Ten times better. How many of you agree with this? Marriage, God's way, ten times better. Ten times better. Um, parenting, God's way, ten times better. Church, God's way, ten times better. Finances, God's way, ten times better. We were building a house in Republic, Missouri. I used to pastor there, and and uh, this guy was pouring the concrete, and he was just, you know, our... A man had hired them to, to bring in this concrete crew, and, and this guy said, I don't know how you young guys do it, building a house like this, you know, and while he was drinking a Budweiser or something. And I thought, well, Bud, if you'd wise up. Your house is in the back of your pickup truck because you've been drinking so much. I mean, just think about all the money they'd get back if they had all the money that they'd spent on alcohol or cigarettes, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying, isn't it a blessing even just go into the doctor's office? I mean, we're still under the curse. we still struggle with stuff as believers. We do. I mean, we believers get cancer. Believers struggle with various diseases. I mean, it's, we're susceptible to it. I, I get that. But isn't it a blessing to sit there and the doctor asks, do you, have, do you smoke? No. Do you drink? No. Do you? I mean, and that alone says, I'm free from a bunch of stuff. Right. Health, God's way, is ten times better. Finances, God's way, is ten times better. And on and on we could go. Anything you mention, in God's way is going to be ten times better. We need revival. Fellowship Baptist Church needs revival. Southwest Baptist Church needs revival because there's a whole new generation comes up that's coming up that is in danger of drifting, that is being targeted, and they need to know. Oh, it's, it's, it's in my soul. It's in my heart that I, I really, I mean, I feel like the burden of what I'm doing right now as a pastor or what I'm doing in, in, in uh, the college where I'm privileged to serve is I'm just trying to help the next generation get what I got. That's it, because I was so blessed to get to grow up in a, in a, in a godly family, even though my dad wasn't in church. Eventually, he did get in church, and, and I saw God work in my dad's life and my mom's life, and I'm here today because I had a faithful mom that kept me in church. And I've been blessed being a part of a, of a church that loved the Lord and just wanted to serve God and care about missions. And, and, and just on and on, all these things. And it's not because of me, because I know me. And you know you, but here's what I know. God's way is ten times better. And sometimes it's tough to take a stand. Some of you work in different places where there's a lot of pressure on you. In offices, in corporations, and in factories, and in schools and so forth. I mean, I, I talked to some of the dear folks at Southwest, and some of the pressure's on them right now to accept and condone everything that's going on out there. It's real. I remember being in the 10th grade, and uh, our class was assigned to read a book called Brave New World. It's a book about the future. We'd read Orville's uh, 1984, and so now we were going to read uh, Huxley's, uh, if I, I may have those mixed up, but I think it's Huxley's uh, Brave New World. And I and, um, began to read it. <clears throat> there was language in it. There was scenes in it. And I, Angie is now my wife, but uh, we were in the tenth, same 10th grade class <clears throat> together. And I said, Angie, I, I, don't, I don't think I can read this book. I don't think we should read this book. And I talked to her dad, who was my youth pastor at the time, and I said, Brother Decker, I, this is where I am on it. I, I'm not real sure exactly what to do, and he advised me, you know, go and talk to Miss Wade. Go talk to your teacher and, and just explain it. Don't, don't be obnoxious. By the way, I noticed even Daniel in this chapter, he wasn't like picketing outside and doing a lot of weird stuff, you know. I mean, it, he was just saying, that I, I know where to draw the line. He actually learned the language he learned a lot about their mythology, not because he was going to buy into it, but he just, he knew, but he knew where to draw the line. Okay, you, you got to know where to draw the line. So I, I went to Ms. Wade and I said, Miss Wade, I, I don't think in good conscience that we could read this book. You know what she said? She said, you know what? That's going to be okay. That's fine. I'm going to allow that you and Angie, it may have been somebody else, but right now, just remembering that. And she said, um, I'm not going to require you to read that book. But <clears throat> you will need to read a book about the future and give a, a presentation about it in class. So I thought, hey, <laughs> I know a book <laughs> about the future. So we were privileged to read Oliver B. Green's commentary on the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation has something to do about the future. And it's not just what might happen, it's what's going to happen. And we were blessed in our 10th grade class in our public school to give a presentation on what the Bible says about the future. I learned right there, it's not easy to take a stand, but when you do take a stand, God honors it. We need revival. I don't know what's coming in America. I, I, I don't. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fears. There's a, I mean, just There's a lot of stuff going on right now that I never even dreamed would be going on. I mean, just right now. It's definitely demonstrated just how vulnerable we are. I know this. We need revival. We're in danger of drifting. We're being targeted. But living for God, regardless of what day and time you live in, Daniel said and found out, ten times better. Ten times better. So I pray God will even just use this day to help us to get our sights set. God, I just want to live for you in the day and time in which I live. Father, thank you for the time. Enjoyed. Interacting with the church here this morning, and and I thank you for the stand. This-